the Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. of Dellen Millard. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> Don't worry, we're in the, we're the, the final stretch. Okay. We're right. almost done. We're going to talk about um, this part of the case. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about this part. <laughs> because it's just, it's just all fucked up, Tyson. Yeah, I know. I don't like this guy, you know that? I, start, oh. I was starting to think that he's a... He's a questionable character. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, and by questionable character, I mean like the type of personality you see, like uh, at like three a.m. fighting over a grilled cheese sandwich out in the parking lot of a, a Whole Foods. You know, it's just sketchy, sketchy. That's very. You don't want to approach. Example. Yeah. You seen that? Look, I've I've lived a hard life. Okay. Lived a rough <laughs> life of. Watching. I've been in the proximity of Hamilton. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy you find Dylan Millard to be a questionable character because I think it would be a lot worse if you said, you know, this guy's not so bad. <laughs> I'd be like, well then. Let me put it another way. This man's story arc is a flat line. Huh. And we started at the fucking bottom. <laughs> He's uh. Shishmir. Yeah, he really a shishmir. is. He's a shishmark. So yeah, um, this is the this part six, which is fucked up. I'm sorry, guys. It's so long, but had to had to do a deep dive. Here we are. It's <laughs> gonna be um seven parts. I think I did say that last week, but yep. the episode that will be next week, so like part seven, it will just kind of it'll be, you know, just like the wrap up of stuff. Yeah, it isn't gonna be so dark like this one will be (laughs) so i have nothing else to say and i think that we'll just get right into this starting with a recap of part five you know how it goes by now gotta start with a recap it's been a week since the people have heard two weeks in our case because we haven't recorded in like two weeks yeah so here we go here we go as we know by now Toronto police had reopened their investigations into the suicide death of Dellen's father, Wayne Millard, and the disappearance of Laura Babcock. Last week, we focused on Laura Babcock, who was Dellen Millard's ex-girlfriend, but they remained in contact to, like, hook up and hang out and stuff. She disappeared at the beginning of July 2012, and ultimately, Dellen and Mark were charged with her murder. They went to trial, they were found guilty, and sentenced to another life sentence. Because remember, they were already in prison for Tim Tim Bosma's murder. Mm -hmm. So they were ordered to serve this life sentence consecutively versus concurrently, with no parole eligibility for 50 years. So they were not eligible for parole until 2063. Yeah, fuck those guys. Well, yeah. Yeah. I just have some stuff to say about the parole eligibility, but it won't be until next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So discussing Laura Babcock and the subsequent trial for her murder and Mark Smitch's involvement for the most part... You know, he's, he's Mark Smith. She's going to make a little appearance here and there. Mm-hmm. But we're not done with Dellen yet because we still have to discuss the uh, reopened investigation to, into his father's suicide. Yeah, and we're recording this on Father's Day. <laughs> oh, no, it is technically Monday now. Yeah. So. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> but that's still we fucked up. We tastefully waited. <laughs> oh, my God. That's dark. Yeah. I'll tell you, Wayne did not deserve this fucking shit stain of a kid. No.
I mentioned in part two of this series, which was the episode that was mainly about Delvin, um, that on November 29th, 2012, Wayne Millard was found dead with a gunshot wound through his left eye, having apparently taken his own life in his bed at the Etobicoke home he shared with Delvin. I see an issue here. I see an issue here. Oh, woof. I'm left with an inclination. <laughs> and I think something's suspicious here. Okay, well, you're... Look, you can be my pupil, and I will teach you why this is suspicious. Why is it suspicious? Well, if you've caught on to my eye jokes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was hard not to. Yeah, really <laughs> laid it on thick there. But you know what? You just got to be careful. Sometimes you got to do that because you know what? You blink and you miss it. Why do you let me on here every time? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I have one, number one, I have no choice. Number two, um, I'm just waiting for you to get it out of your system. That's done. You got any more? Fried eyes? You got any more? You know what? You keep making fun of me like that and I'm... I might eyelash out at you. That's stupid. Yeah, that one didn't work. You're done. Yeah, we're done. So Wayne's death was ruled a suicide and he was cremated. That's what happened there. But let's find out how we got there and we'll start by getting to know Wayne a bit more. So Wayne Millard has been described as caring and a generous man. His cousin, Peter Roberts, recalled asking Wayne for help when his ailing mother wanted to spend her final days in her own home. And Wayne paid nearly 100 thousand dollars for around-the-clock care for about a year wow so that his mother could spend her last days in her own home yeah so i guess his aunt mm. wayne's aunt if peter is his cousin is that how that works i'm fucking have, i'm awful at that i don't have much family you know <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have cousins yeah well like i don't see my cousins yeah, same. I feel like I got some cousins out there, but you know, whatever. Anyway, this isn't about me. So Peter also said that talking to Wayne was a delight and he looked up to him as a mentor because he was such a great person. There are many stories that bolster that claim. For example, Wayne loved animals and cared very deeply for them. In 1982, he was arrested for filming baby seals being clubbed to death off the East Coast. I got hardcore real fast. Yeah. Being arrested didn't stop him from pursuing justice, though. He immediately flew the small crew back into the area to get onto the ice near the beaches of PEI to continue their work. So the crew included Madeline Burns, who, as we learned in part two, um, he later married, and that's Dylan's mother. Mm -hmm. And the two were making a film about seal hunting with the help of a man named Paul Watson, who was the founder of Sea Shepherd Conservation Society, which is a nonprofit marine conservation activism organization. Okay. So, yes, Wayne really loved animals. Yep. And I don't really know if, like, today seal hunting and seal clubbing is as big of an issue. I feel like we've sort of realized that's so terrible. Yeah, I think we, yeah, I don't know much about it i thought that that was more of like a traditional like inuit hunting type thing and then there was like an offshoot of canadians doing it for coats <laughs> yeah just, it's, it was just it's unnecessary just to, yeah it's just for the fur yeah or the pelts or whatever the fuck they're called mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know this was the 80s i feel like it was a much bigger thing in the 80s yeah clubbing was 90s. a lot bigger back in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> so paul who is the founder of the sea shepherd conservation society said quote wayne was very incensed about the seal hunt he stuck to his ground and didn't give in he was persistent passionate and he was very dedicated it sounds intense and that's great <laughs> but i could not be on a boat with this guy <laughs> paul watson yeah no so Wayne, he sort, he sort of seemed to be like a hippie type, you know? Mm -hmm. As a young man, he was a pilot for Air Canada before getting involved with Millard Air, which is the family business. He actually sued Air Canada because they suspended him for growing his hair too long. What? Yeah. <laughs> Grew his hair okay. out real long. 
They were like, uh... That's enough of that. Absolutely not. That's silly. That's long-ass hair. And they were like, that's... And then Wayne was like, I'm suing you. Did you know that business attire in Canada in the 80s is just retired Tim Horton? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has to look like that, dude. It's funny, though, because you're like the pilot. No one sees you. I know. Oh, no. Back in the, like, 80s? Didn't they used to, like greet you at the fucking gate like at the door i wasn't even alive in the 80s i've never been on an airplane i don't know oh (laughs) is that a thing they greet you at the door they used to greet you at the door when i was a kid they would they let me into the cockpit oh yeah and they gave me a little wings little badge that's cute yeah little did you know i fucking grew up to be nothing like a fucking pilot (laughs) but yeah they give you a little they got a little little wings badge and they sit you at the a co-pilot chair and you know i was this close to taking that fucker down if i just wanted to i know i was wondering why they would <laughs> let you of all shitty kids in the cockpit <laughs> they gotta hit that diversity quota there's not a lot of gingers on the plane okay <laughs> <laughs> is there even a lot of kids on the plane oh god actually surprisingly not that bad for when i was on it one time there was a baby and it was the worst I just, yeah. Yep. Maybe one day I'll get on a plane, get right out of here, away from you. <laughs> what a day that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it seemed that Wayne sort of held off on working for the family business, you know? He's, at this point, when he's suing Air Canada, it's Air Canada. He's a pilot there. So I don't know if, like, his heart wasn't t- totally in the family business or he didn't like working for his dad because, you know, he's a hippie, rebellious type. And then there's Carl, who's, like, this hard ass. So um, there's this guy. His name's Dennis ooh, Chadala, maybe. Mm, maybe. Could be. Dennis. And he worked with Wayne at Millard Air for years. And he said, quote, Wayne was a kind man who trained me on many different kinds of planes, and we had a kinship in that we were banded together in order to handle his father, Carl, who was a real tough boss. But Wayne was also a rabble rouser. Rabble Uh rouser. (laughs) So, yes, it does kind of seem like Wayne put off working full time for his father for as long as possible, preferring to work elsewhere and kind of do his own thing before eventually going to work at Millard Air. Mm -hmm. Because, again, he's a rabble rouser. And his dad's a hard ass. Yeah, I understand that then. Yeah. So as a quick recap, because we talked a lot more about Millard Air in part two. But uh, Millard Air was based out of Toronto's Toronto's Pearson International Airport. Mm -hmm. Uh, Millard Air launched as a cargo carrier in 1963. Started flying passengers throughout the 70s and 80s at the peak of their operation. But then they went bankrupt in 1990 and shifted gears to selling off parts. That same year, Wayne and Madeline separated before finalizing their divorce in 1996. But it does appear that they remained fairly close since, like, he later named her, like, vice president of Millard Air alongside Dellen. So, I don't know. They're still, like, friends or some shit. Mm. By the 90s, Wayne was working full-time for Millard Air. His father passed away in 2006. Wayne became president, moved the company's focus to maintenance, repair, and overhaul business, and worked on his legacy project for Dellen, which was building that massive multi-million dollar hangar at the region of Waterloo International Airport in 2012, where Millard Air had taken out this huge loan for the project in October 2012, and then Dellen was at the helm of the hangar's construction. And as we know, didn't have the chance to make any money for the business because Wayne died by suicide. Yeah. So that was a little rundown to where we are now. Uh. So it was uh, on November 29th, 2012. And that's when Dellen found his father dead in his bed with blood all over the pillows. So he left the house. He grabbed his cell phone and he called his mother, Madeline. And told her his dad was dead. And there's like a police interview. And okay, number one, I think Dellen's dog's name is Pedo. Oh my God. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because in the police interview, which is also so fucking hard to hear, because Dellen talks like really quiet and like calm and like low key like this. And the audio was dog shit. It's like a Toronto interview, police interview room. Yeah. 
I can't fuck. It's so hard can't to hear. Can't hear shit. It's so hard to hear. Anyway, so Dylan like called his mom and was like, oh my God, like dad's dead or whatever he's saying. And his mom was not registering or hearing that he was saying that his dad is dead and kept going what's wrong with the dog what's wrong with pedo is pedo okay what happened to pedo pedo's on the pillow like uh... <laughs> and i'm so again hard to hear but there was this uh apparently weird translate like transaction between the two of them of like no dad's dead wait what happened to pedo and i'm pretty sure the dog's name is pedo and who named their dog pedo oh no <laughs> No, it's fine. My dog loves kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> you already have to be be the dog of Del and Millard, and then your name's Pedo. Could it get worse? I just, no self-awareness, apparently. Again, it's hard <laughs> hard to hear, but I swear to God, the dog's name is Pedo. Yeah. And there was like, Madeline just was like, what What do you mean? And what happened to Pedo? What's wrong with the dog? And <laughs> Delan's like, no, dad's dead. This doesn't sound real. This sounds like a skit. I know. <laughs> so when Madeline finally understood that Dylan was calling her to say that her ex-husband and his father is dead, Dylan said that his mother just started screaming. Oh, horrified, traumatizing. And... She was like, I'm coming over there. And he was saying like, oh, okay, like, you're obviously distraught. You should take a taxi. And she's like, no, I'm coming. I'm driving. I'm driving there. So he stayed on the phone with her while she was driving and just like paced around in the driveway until she arrived at his house. Mm -hmm. And when she got there, she went inside alone for like almost 10 minutes. Dylan is so annoying and he'll say shit like... It wasn't quite 10 minutes, but it was definitely more than five minutes. Okay. It's so annoying. It's like, just say like, I don't Almost know, 10, 10 minutes. minutes. It was n not quite 10, but definitely more than five. Or not nearly 10, but quite more than five. Like, so just like, he says shit so fucking annoying. Oh my God. <laughs> so anyway, she was in there for like... Not quite, not quite 10 minutes, but not, more than five. More than five. And then she returned outside to be with Dylan, and she called 911. So paramedics and police arrived on scene. Paramedic William Smith said... Sorry, I just realized his name was like Will Smith. Oh, no. <laughs> Paramedic this Williams... This is a skit. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Paramedic William Smith said he was informed he was responding to a call for cardiac arrest but testified that Wayne was cold to the touch when he entered the bedroom. There was no sign of a cardiac arrest. Like, it was pretty obvious. There's blood everywhere. Mm -hmm. Plus, Wayne was lying on his left side, because he's in bed, so he's lying on his left side, and his right hand is tucked under his cheek, so his right arm is kind of coming over his chest. Yeah. And then his left arm is outstretched. Okay. So he's laying on his side using his right hand kind of like a pillow with his the arm he's laying on stretched out, stretched out right. Yeah. And then there was blood on the left side of his face, his arms, the bed, and pillow. Detective James Hutchin was one of the officers on scene, and he said that Madeline was shaken, like really distraught, upset. Clearly, mm -hmm. but quote, Dellen's demeanor was different. He was very calm and didn't appear upset at all. Okay. Detective Hutchin talked to Dellen, who said the last time he saw his father alive was the day before around noon. And he had been trying to get a hold of his father, but he wasn't answering. So when he went home, he just figured he would check in on him. And that's when he found him dead in his bedroom at about 6.30 p.m. But again, it's not like about 6 30 p.m i'm saying that because he's like well i probably would have arrived home no later than six but it could have been closer to seven <laughs> like oh god <laughs> so annoying so oh. about 6 30 p.m yeah okay. also it's Dylan. he could be fucking talking at his ass which yeah. he probably is yeah so the coroner dr david evans arrived on scene to examine wayne's body 
And as he stood next to the bed, he's like looking at Wayne, seeing all the blood, and he's kind of following this blood trail on Wayne's bed to a black gym bag on the floor right next to the bed. And he moves the gym bag, like probably to move it out of the way because he has to examine Wayne's body. Mm -hmm. And underneath the gym bag, sitting on top of a Lululemon bag, is a revolver. Yeah, okay. So the police hadn't noticed this revolver or failed to collect it. I don't know. But the coroner's like, um, gun. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. Um, gun. There's gun. Guys, it happened again. (laughs) So this gun was a 32 caliber Smith & Wesson. Mm -hmm. And it was lady lady determined. Nope. It was later determined that one bullet was fired and there was five bullets remaining in the gun. Dr. Evans looked closer at the... It's a revolver, so it has six. Yeah, no, I just wasn't ready for it to be fully loaded. Yeah, right? Yeah. True. So Dr. Evans looked closer at the blood on Wayne's face and noticed that his, uh, his left eye was absent. And he said he had never seen How a bullet. that happened? <laughs> <laughs> he said he had never seen a bullet through an eye in a suicide case. Yeah, they're all contact point uh, suicides usually. Like the barrel of the gun's usually like on the skin. And you put it up to your like, temple like, well, or in yeah, your mouth. Yeah, it could and... have been right on his eye, but yeah, it's not usually your eye. It's usually like yeah, yeah. temple, mouth, under the chin, something like yeah, that. Yeah, think about how absolutely unnerving that would be. It's horrible. I want to look also, right at the bullet. It... <laughs> Close your eyes. Like, why would you do that? So he, they're obviously like treating this like it could be a suicide. He is dead in bed. The gun's right next to the bed. So he's like, if this is a suicide, which is his job to kind of... <laughs> help determine that mm-hmm. he's like that's weird never seen it through an eye and that it it is weird i've never even heard anything like that mm-hmm. so dr evans determined that wayne died around 18 hours before he completed his investigation so that would have been uh he completed the investigation at 11 p.m that puts the time of death between 3 and 5 a.m that morning so Dellen was then brought in for further questioning that night um not like he was a person of interest or anything it was totally like voluntary they asked Mm -hmm. him to come in and sat there saying like you know that you don't have to be here it's nice that you are basically Mm -hmm. and he did he sat through this 50 minute interview with detective hutchin and another detective named detective johnson and in this interview which is so dreadfully boring yeah Wait, did you watch the whole fucking thing? Yeah, I wanted to know. Oh. So it's 50 minutes of just Dylan talking like this. So quiet. With his fucking satchel that he's like clutching. <laughs> One of the comments said, I didn't know you had to wear a seatbelt in interrogation. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't an interrogation, though. It was just an interview. You know, he always struck me as a fanny pack kind of guy. He's yeah. yeah the satchel though it's obviously a i got nothing i don't know why it has to be a satchel yeah so in this interview Dylan said that his dad was under a great deal of stress because of the new aviation venture that the two were working on together and said that his father admitted the venture had quote more than a chance of failing so this is the hangar the multi-million dollar yeah. hangar and that I don't believe that for a second. I don't think his dad was like, wow, so happy to be putting millions of dollars into this thing that has more than a chance of failing. <laughs> like that's Dellen like projecting that. Yeah. Yeah. He added that his father was depressed and never sought treatment for his depression. Quote, he carried some great sadness with him throughout life that I never knew. He never wanted to share that with me. Then why do you know of it at, and why great, did he share that with you? He carried some great sadness with him. Some great sadness. The way he talks, man, I can't handle it. He's so fucking stupid. He's so up his own fucking ass. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, he crawled right in the rectum. Yep. So he also said that his dad had, quote, a very strong liver because he drank lots. I don't like to say the word alcoholic, but it fits. He was a regular drinker, like, every night. 
One, who the fuck says I, he has a very strong <laughs> liver? <laughs> and two, I don't like to say the word alcoholic. It was in the video. It was like the detective, <laughs> Detective Hutchin, was like, "So, did you, let's talk about your dad's health. Did he have any health problems?" And then Dylan was like, "Um, like define health or something stupid like that." And he was like, "Uh," <laughs> the detective was like. Um, like heart troubles, liver troubles, like, I don't know, like health. Yeah. And then Dylan's like, he had a strong heart, very strong heart. He had a strong liver, really strong liver. He'd have to. And then the detective <laughs> was like, what was that? And he was like, he, his liver was strong. It'd have to be. And he was like, Why? And then that's when he was like, you have a very strong liver because you drank lots. Something like that. I'm just imagining. so cringy. I'm just imagining like an overhead camera. It is pointed, overhead. And you just keep seeing the detectives reaching for their gun and the other <laughs> one just stopping, holding his hand back. <laughs> the detectives are actually like, I don't even know. It was a, It was such a boring interview and... It just seemed like they didn't know what to ask. Like, it was bizarre. Okay. I don't It was just... Maybe they were trying to, like, throw open-ended kind of statements at him, hoping he would just keep talking. But For it sure. just Plus kept they're fucking like up. Leaving long gaps, because they're writing as he's talking and stuff, and a lot of the time people are uncomfortable in silence, so they keep talking. Mm -hmm. But Dylan didn't... Like, in this interview, anyway. He's not really like that. Like, he kind of says... He answers the question or gets to the point in his annoying way. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't, like, spew things or, like, keep talking to fill the silence. Strong heart. Strong liver. St <laughs> <laughs> strong heart. Really strong heart. Strong liver. Really I would be strong like... Strong liver. I'd be like, we're not It'd dealing with... Be. We're not dealing with someone with a full deck. Here, if someone just simply wanted to know, was your dad in good health? <laughs> You're on a tirade <laughs> about strong organs that he has. Like, come on. Well, also, you, your dad is dead. So there could be like, I don't know, this guy's maybe going through it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, don't know if he's weird. or They just... don't think he did it at this point. I mean, remember, it was rule of suicide. Mm -hmm. So they're probably just like, I don't know. This yeah. kid's going through it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so he told them basically that his dad's an alcoholic, but he wouldn't say the word alcoholic, you know? He doesn't like that word. Right, But right. It, it fits, though. Because he said he, his dad drank, like, eight to ten mini bottles of wine a night. You see, if I was a detective, I'd be like, okay, so your dad was an alcoholic, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, okay, so is he, is he a big drinker, a regular drinker, an alcoholic? Like, come on, what are we talking Define about here? big. Like, physically <laughs> or... <laughs> Not physically. <laughs> oh, Lord. So an autopsy later found that Wayne died from a bullet to the brain that entered at an angle into his left eye and became lodged in the back of his head on the right side. Dr. Evans ruled Wayne's death a suicide. Quote, looking at the scene, the trajectory of the bullet, the position of his left hand, the powder marks on his hand and his pillow, it would appear this death is consistent with suicide. He later said he believed Wayne turned the gun around to point it at his eye and pulled the trigger with his thumb on on that weird angle that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's what he said. That's so absurd. Just doing that. It's so absurd. Like you're lying on your arm already. And, and you like. What did he like reach from the dresser that was on that side and like pull it back and then just yeah because he would have he would have just been lying down on that arm plus his hand was under his cheek yeah so it's just the whole thing is already is immediately you would think what well, looking at that scene like um this is either staged or there's a murder here like or both Something yeah is I'd be like that's a suspicious death period like yeah. Right off the bat. That's suspicious. But it was like two days later and this coroner was like, suicide. <laughs> in an obituary published in the Toronto Star in 2012, Dylan called his dad a generous man who was, quote, 
frugal with himself and generous to others, patient and stubborn, and someone who stepped carefully while avoiding, sorry, someone who stepped carefully while advocating carefreeness. His hope was for a time when cooperation would be the norm and competition was only friendly. He was patient and stubborn. He believed animal welfare was a humanitarian effort. He was a good man in a careless world. He was my father. Oh my <laughs> I don't even know what most of that means. Oh my god. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like backhanded fluff in some spots. Yep. But what? I who who <laughs> let Del, who let Dellen write the goddamn obituary? Well, I mean, he's an only child. Yeah, and his him and his Wayne and Madeline weren't together anymore. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah. Also, it's Dellen. He was probably like, "Don't worry, guys. Um, I already have an obituary ready." <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Well, I mean, I can see him doing it, though. Maybe he just did it. Like, maybe nobody asked. He was just He just put it into the paper. (laughs) He was just like, here we go. That's what you do. Yeah. No one noticed until they saw it on his fridge. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck is this shit, Dallin? Did you get at least one proofreader? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So at the time of his death, Wayne was dating a woman named Janet Campbell. Janet and Wayne were either cousins through adoption or cousin-in-laws. I'm, I've seen it both ways. I've read that they, it was cousins through adoption, and Dellen says it was cousin-in-laws, but Dellen is Dellen, so I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, they were not blood-related. Okay. And they had dated when they were teenagers, but they lost touch. And in early 2012, Wayne reached out to Janet and they began a friendship, um, like rekindled a little friendship that became romantic by November 2012, which is the same month that he died. When I was reading it at first, I was like, ew, they're kissing cousins. (laughs) But (laughs) everywhere is like, they're not blood related, okay? They're just happened to have been family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Roll time. Okay. Um. Yeah. You know what? In my books. Um. Yeah. That's still weird. I mean, I agree, but still. Uh. Still cousins. Maybe they weren't close. Like I, Like we were just talking about. I got cousins. I'm pretty sure. I don't know who they are. And they are blood related. If they were blood, okay. I don't even know. Bail out. Bail out. <laughs> it's okay. If they weren't blood related, they were in-laws or through marriage. But Wayne and Janet dated when they were teenagers, so they did know each other growing up. Because I was going to say, maybe you don't know them at all growing up, and then you meet later in life. Mm-hmm. But if they did date when they were teenagers, I don't know. You know, not a lifestyle for me. But uh, Wayne and Janet, they were into it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Janet said the two were in love and they would talk on the phone for hours, including the night before he was found dead. So they made plans to talk the next day. But when Janet couldn't reach him, she emailed Dellen and was shocked when he wrote back saying, quote, my father is dead and it would appear to be by his own hand. I only found out. Between. Not later than 7 p.m., <laughs> but definitely b- <laughs> definitely past 6. No later than 7, but, like, definitely before 6. Oh, my God. So let's round it and say 6.30. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But that's so cold. Like, my father is dead, and it would appear to be by his own hand. It would appear to be. Yeah, like, shut the fuck up. So... <laughs> Like it's this guy just talks like he's filling out a word count in an essay. <laughs> Ew, he does. So this means that Wayne had apparently taken his life just days before Janet's birthday, which seemed off to her because Wayne had booked December fourth off for her birthday and hinted at his gift for her, saying, quote, He said, You're not gonna like it at first, but we'll come to love it. So they're making plans together for her birthday. Okay. 
So about two weeks after Wayne's death, when friends and family gathered at a restaurant north of Toronto to remember Wayne, Dylan and Janet met in person for the first time. And they hugged, and he gave her the gift that his father had planned, which was flying lessons. Oh, that is a nice gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be so, cool. Yeah, he's saying, like, you're not going to like it at first. Like, maybe you'll find it overwhelming or whatever, but you'll grow to love it. Mm-hmm. That would be fucking sick. That would to be. To learn how to fly. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, I'm fucking flying an airplane. So that's when they met all, they all met up for a little celebration of life type dinner, it kind of sounds like that's when uh Dylan gave janet the gift and ugh, it's just kind of creepy yeah because everyone obviously knows where this is headed it's not a suicide yeah they all had to have about dallin millard i mean it's like it's not like they didn't know about the scene and all this they all had to be thinking it no i don't think anyone was thinking it really i would yeah. be suspicious as shit I mean, we would, but... <laughs> yeah, okay. That's because of everything we know. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's but fair. at this point, when Wayne is supposedly dead, like, nobody knows anything about Laura Babcock. Tim Bosma's case hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And it's so sudden. Like, it appears so sudden. And no one really knows the ins and outs of the business the way that Dylan and Wayne would have been intimate without knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, like, it does unfortunately seem like Wayne might have taken his own life. Yeah. They, I can't imagine his family would know all about the scene unless Dylan was talking about it, but he probably wasn't. Yeah, okay. He was probably just like, I'm fucking pumped that I'm going to get away with this. Yeah. So, when I when I said that it's just creepy is that Dylan knows exactly what he did and he's telling his dad's girlfriend like it would appear that he t- killed himself and anyway here's that gift that he had planned for you full well knowing that he's the reason that Wayne and Janet can't do this together yeah like it's just fucking gross and creepy yeah After Dallin was charged in Tim Bosma's case, Toronto police reopened Wayne's case. As detectives were reviewing Wayne's suicide death, they discovered a litany of incriminating evidence, including Dallin and Wayne's constant arguments over the family business. Oh, well, yeah. Now, police still had the 32 caliber Smith & Wesson that was found beside Wayne's bed. So they took it out of evidence lockup and tested it for DNA. Mm-hmm. Dallin's DNA was on the handle. It's something like that where you're just like, how was that not like front row center? I agree. You know? Even more incriminating, if you'll remember from part four, this is the same gun that Matthew Ward Jackson sold Dallin alongside the Walter PPK used to kill Tim Bosma. Oh. The Walter oh, okay. PPK and the 32 caliber Smith & Wesson. This was yeah. that gun. Are you, I was literally going to ask you, like, how popular is Smith & Wesson guns? Because I feel like that's every gun I hear about. But that makes sense. It's because we talked about it earlier. <laughs> yeah. And a 32 caliber Smith & Wesson is not common in Canada at all. Um, they're rare... I, I don't know if all revolvers are, you know, kind of rare. But yeah. I, but this one f- for sure was like, I don't know if it was like banned from being sold or something like that. But, you know, Canada. Well, handguns in Canada, period, are yeah. like, <laughs> you either jump through a billion hoops to get it or you shouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a revolver like this is not common. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Dellen was charged with his father's murder on April 10th, 2014. And of course, Dellen pleaded not guilty to the charges, meaning he was going to trial for a third murder. Okay. I thought you were going to hit me with another quote. From, I was just bracing oh. myself. 
It's so unfair that the system has decided that I have to be their scapegoat. Even though I was in the house no later than 7 oh, p.m. <laughs> my God. And even think about how often he is like speaking for himself and being his own like counsel and stuff. How painful it must be to sit through that. Uh, yeah. It's just everyone everyone just was like, fuck mm -hmm. this. In this case, um Udellen had an attorney. Did I say that yet? He had an attorney? Yeah, for this one. Okay. Um, so his attorney filed a request to have the trial be judge only, no jury, arguing that Dellen's notoriety would make it nearly impossible to find fair jurors. Okay. Because at this point it would be the third murder trial. Mm -hmm. And Ontario's attorney general agreed and granted the request. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because they yeah. had even applied for a judge-only trial for Laura Babcock's uh, murder trial, mm -hmm. which was denied. But in this case, it was approved. So it was judge-only. Yeah, he was infamous at this point. Oh, for sure. Like, and not in, like, I was, um, I almost forgot saying that because he doesn't deserve that. He is infamous, <laughs> he's, though. He's infamous for being a piece of shit he's, and just yeah. insufferable. So insufferable. Yeah. He had notoriety. We can say that. Yeah. He's an ass up his own ass. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> like, we're going to take note. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the month-long trial started May 31st, 2018, and was presided over by Justice Maureen Forstell. Dellen had a lawyer this time. There it is. Uh, Raven Pile, who was also his lawyer in the Tim Bosma trial. Raven? Raven. Not Raven? Raven. Oh. Raven? <laughs> I wanted to know if it was Raven because I was prepared at that moment <laughs> to imagine that his attorney was the girl from That So Raven. <laughs> oh, don't do that to Raven. Yeah. I don't know, actually. Raven, R-A-V-I-N, Pele. Maybe it is Raven. No, that's Raven. Okay, thank yeah. you. Now you're making me second guess myself, but it's <laughs> definitely Raven. So Raven Pile, uh, who was the lawyer in the Tim Bosma trial. Not the same lawyer that allegedly smuggled letters. This is a different lawyer. Okay, that's for the best. Because <laughs> that one was a crime. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that next week, actually. Because I, after we had talked about it in part five, I was like, I need more information on this because it's driving me crazy. This seems so fucked up. Mm-hmm. So I do have a little bit more information on that Ooh. that we'll talk about next week. All right. So this this uh, this trial here, R Raven Pele, that's the lawyer. And again, like all of his other trials, Dellen did not testify. But unlike his other trials, Dellen had to sit in the prisoner's box this time. And in that prisoner's box, he was wearing his gray blazer and he had his, quote, customary side braid. D no you side braid yeah yeah it's like a side rat tail that's braided like everything else all his other hair is like cropped close it's it's like a short hairstyle yep but then he has a long side braid he had a rat tail yeah a, ra a braided side rat tail <laughs> i don't i don't even know what to say to that I really don't. I knew one kid who had actually I knew two and they both turned out fucked. Well, here you go. Here's Dellen Millard with this <laughs> braided rat tail. And, oh no. Um something else that was different this time is that his mother, Madeline Burns, had actually made an appearance in court. She was not present at the trials for Tim or Laura. And I don't think she stayed around very long for this one. She definitely made a an appearance though. Which mm -hmm. was like wild because no one had seen her ever. She was really in the background. She's probably just like, I don't know. I <laughs> I understand that. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to be at the trial for, for this guy and being like, yeah, I'm related. I don't know. We'll talk about her next week. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Dellen's lawyer insisted that Wayne's death was a result of suicide and focused on his state of mind at the time of his death, portraying him as a reclusive and depressed alcoholic. Janet agreed, 
that Wayne was a reclusive alcoholic, but added that he never drank when the two of them were together. So I don't know how you're an alcoholic if you could just not drink when you're together. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic, aren't you always drinking or else you'll literally be ill? Pretty much. Yeah. So she was Uh, like, okay, he's reclusive. He was an alcoholic, but she disagreed that Wayne suffered from depression. She said, quote, I don't want to say he suffered from depression. He was depressed like everyone else. I don't think he was clinically depressed. It's like true Janet, who isn't depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Was he pessimistic? Sure. Yeah. Like, was he he medically, like, medically, did he have a depressed? Yeah. No. No. So, yeah, that's that's just what old, old Janet there said. So evidence presented by the Crown included the police interview video, the one I had to watch. I didn't have to watch it. I did watch it. So boring. (laughs) The fact that Dellen had purchased the gun, which had killed his father. And like all its other trials, a treasure trove of electronic evidence seized from his home computers and cell phones and all of that. There was so much electronic evidence in this in these cases. So took the cra- his, took his phone with him again, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. So the crown alleged that Dullin blamed his father for the company's financial issues and said Dullin's plan to murder his father formed on November 1st, 2012, which is the same day when Millardair received their maintenance repair and overhaul certificate from Transport Canada. Crown attorney Jill Cameron said Quote, the plan was hatched as soon as that license came through for a business he didn't want. Money was being funneled out, his inheritance being spent. Okay. So that's the Crown sort of stating the motive. Mm-hmm. And then next, they placed Dellen at the scene. So that same day that Dellen found out that the business was getting that Transport Canada certificate, he went out and bought a second cell phone. In his name. <laughs> this It wasn't like the Lucas Bates or whatever weird alias he used for the cell phone with that he uh, used to he get Tim Bosma. Yeah. This was like a second cell phone that I read was apparently registered in his own name. So he had two cell phones under Dallin Millard. He didn't even like change it even a little bit. He didn't, I d- he didn't like, he's like one cell phone for Dylan Mallard, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it was in another one in his name. Oh, this guy is just, I'm telling you, there's not a whole deck here. No. No. So the second cell phone was used to call a cab from Mark Smitch's house in Oakville early on November 29th. Dylan left his primary cell phone and a credit card behind so Mark and Marlena could order pizza which Jill Cameron said was all a ruse to create a false alibi. Yeah. And then records show that that second cell phone was at the home Dellen shared with his father in Etobicoke starting at 1 a.m., then back at Mark's house around 6 a.m. So remember the coroner put Wayne's time of death somewhere between 3 and 5 a.m. So yeah. the this theory proposed by the Crown places Dellen at the house when Wayne died. How refreshing is it that the police would be like, he arrived at the house at one. He left at six. He didn't show up no later than six. <laughs> I'm going to stop because I'm not going to beat that dead horse. <laughs> the judge in this case would have been like, can you get to the fucking point, please? <laughs> so at the trial, there was also multiple testimonies heard. John Barnes was a longtime aircraft maintenance and repair manager at Millard Air. He testified about how within days of Wayne's death, Dellen had called everyone together at the hangar to say that his dad was dead. And then he was telling everyone that Wayne died of an aneurysm and that the business was closing down and basically firing everyone. Okay. John also testified having met up with Wayne the day before his death because Wayne wanted to discuss what benefit packages to sign new employees up for because they had gotten approved for this certificate. They were hoping to start getting contracts in, which means more employees, all of that stuff. So he was planning 
for the future and discussing things with his employees. Like, what should we do here? Mm-hmm. And uh, John said that Wayne was excited and enthusiastic because, like I said, potential businesses coming their way and all of that. When they were talking, John says that Wayne also expressed his concerns over the fact that Dellen basically owned half of this business that he wasn't taking seriously. So this was like Wayne's sort of final project. He was building all of this so that if if and when he passed away, Dellen would have something. Mm-hmm. And Dellen wasn't taking it seriously, and they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of the business dealings. So I guess Wayne was kind of like, you know, bitching to John about this. Wayne had customers and clients lined up, but there was no contract signed yet because of of the state of the hangar. So John said that it was, quote, deplorable. And Transport Canada and potential clients couldn't tour it because it was Dellen's playground. Dellen had a collection of vehicles, the trailers, his stolen shit, skidoos, all of that nonsense. Excuse me. Those were rewards for a successful mission. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. His rewards from successful missions. Yep. All on the hangar floor, you know. So how are you supposed to have all of like your potential investors and clients and stuff coming through your actual like criminal hangout, basically? Wayne, is that my skidoo? I don't even know where that came from. My kid, he's just roams free. You gotta understand, my kid, he's kind of an idiot. (laughs) My kid, he's an only child. (laughs) Okay, listeners can't see that face, but it it made a lot of sense. I'm sorry if you're an only child, and I'm sorry if you're an only child. When speaking about how deplorable the hangar was, John said that the hangar washrooms were used, but they were never cleaned. That's so gross. I know. I was like, I'll add that in there because it just paints a picture. <laughs> Plus, there's videos, um, like I had said on YouTube, from the mob reporter, and they have tons of photos that were seen at trial. A lot of the photos that were shown during Laura Babcock's trial, I believe, is like a ton of photos from inside of wayne and dellen's house mm-hmm. um in etobicoke and at the time that these photos were taken wayne would have been passed like passed away but you can see where dellen has just like totally taken over this house and he's just a little pack rat grubby grub yeah shit everywhere messy doesn't make sense with a lot of stuff that you see in certain rooms yeah. and i can just picture that he was treating the hangar the same way Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's disgusting. You're going to have clients coming through that's probably, like, million-dollar deals. And there's, like, a fucking shitty toilet. Yeah. It's foul. So that's just some of the stuff that John had to say about state of the hangar and how Wayne was getting frustrated. Man, this kid's an idiot. Be, he should be fucking furious. I think he was reaching that point. It yeah. seems like Wayne was very much chill not the type who wanted to start an argument, fight about anything. Mm-hmm. And I can't really imagine him like snapping or really being assertive or aggressive, but it mm-hmm. sounds like he was reaching the point where he was just like, for fuck's sakes, man. It's wild that he had a son like that. I know. Just wild. It's like, how unfortunate. <sighs> Seriously. Wild that anyone could have a son like this. Let well, alone yeah. Someone like yeah. Wayne who just seems... <laughs> To be that little hip hippie rabble rouser. Yeah, he just wanted to save the seals and fly an airplane and build a hangar. Yeah. Is that really so much to fucking ask? It shouldn't be. Yeah. It's bullshit. Dr. Evans, who is the coroner, testified that he believed there was a quote reasonable chance that Wayne Millard killed himself. But when Crown Attorney Jill Cameron asked him if someone else could have pulled the trigger of the gun found, he said, quote, at the time, I felt it was more consistent with a suicide. In retrospect, one can say there is a possibility. He's talking like Dylan Moore. <laughs> my God. So he's oh like, my God. He's saying like, well, I mean, I do believe it was a suicide, but I guess if you're going to put it that way, then maybe it wasn't. But like, I'm pretty much standing by what I said, but it might not be, though. 
I hate him. I just all of that. I don't know. As you like describe the whole suicide like s- like scene. Yeah. It's like man, how were you not doubting it the moment you saw it? Like and then you're like, "No, it's it's it's, it's consistent with suicide." But in retrospect, I could see how it wouldn't be a suicide. <laughs> it's like, well. So then they had this pathologist take the stand and their name is Dr. Jayantha Harris. And they testified that Wayne's eyes were closed when he was shot in the face at close range, saying that the bullet entered his left eye at an angle and became lodged in the right side of his brain. Dr. Harris said no one could survive that injury. The death would be immediate within seconds. So at least Wayne didn't suffer. Yeah. And then we've got Detective Constable Grant Sutherland, who testifies that gunshot residue was found on Wayne's face and the back of his right hand, which is the one that was under his cheek on the pillow, like he was using his right hand as a pillow, but not on his left hand, which was the one that was stretched out that was close to the gun found beside the bed. So he said that there should have been gunshot residue on Wayne's left hand mm-hmm. if he used it to pull the trigger, which is the gun he would have had to have used to pull the trigger. Yeah. And there's no gunshot residue on that hand. Man, so. I just don't understand the guy who I made the call know. and was like, this is a suicide. It's ridiculous. So this- <laughs> I just, as all this stuff gets like laid out in court, I just want to imagine the judge and everyone else just giving a death stare to the guy who was like i still stand by committing a suicide (laughs) they're like fuck you dr david evans the amount of side eye going on in that courtroom okay so this guy the one who was like there should have been gunshot residue on his left hand um detective constable grant sutherland Mm -hmm. who i'm just going to call sutherland from now on because much less of a mouthful mm-hmm. so this guy's my favorite all right <laughs> so he had been trying to recreate the fatal shooting because he was asked to and he was trying to see if he could recreate the exact way that wayne supposedly shot himself so he showed his forensic testing as evidence in court and the testing involved 20 separate styrofoam mannequin heads resting next to a mannequin arm on top of pillows to recreate the gunshot residue patterns found at the scene. Mm -hmm. Sutherland told the court that he was unable to perfectly recreate the gunshot residue pattern found on Wayne's pillow, and he concluded that it was very difficult to hold the gun in the necessary position and angle, and therefore very unlikely that Wayne shot himself. Quote, one almost has to hold it very strangely. And then CTV News Kitchener wrote, quote, Holding the gun upside down with his left thumb on the trigger, Sutherland contorted himself trying to get just the right angle, 67.5 degrees according to his testing, and stumbled trying to get into position. <laughs> I just love this part. I sold it. Yeah, he was like, Great. I'm really, I got 67.5 degrees according to my testing. I can't do it. And he's like, one almost has to hold it very strangely. And he's like trying to (laughs) show it off. And he's like stumbling around. And obviously there's no video of this. It's just how it's written. And But the way I I picture it, I'm just like, this is great. Yeah. This is much needed in that courtroom, I'm sure. Yeah. So when asked by the prosecution if he thought Wayne fired the gun in that weird ass position, Sutherland said, "I I don't believe that he did. No, he didn't. Yeah. So the Crown gave their closing remarks on June 25th, 2018. In her closing remarks, Jill Cameron said Dellen killed his father to access millions in inheritance and therefore therefore getting money, power, freedom, and control. Quote, Wayne Millard did not kill himself. Dellen Millard carried out a calculated plan to murder his father and cover it up. Wayne Millard was spending the family money creating a legacy for Dellen Millard that he did not want. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. Sounds pretty spot on to me. Yep. Raven Pile, uh, Dellen's lawyer, he gave some closing remarks too, you know. He talked about how the DNA on the gun could have simply come from the fact that his client bought it. Duh. 
<laughs> Rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> he said suicide is a complex issue, and in this case, it was misunderstood by the Crown. Quote, With years of untreated depression compounded by decades of alcohol abuse, Wayne Millard was driven to a final impulsive act. He said Wayne's entire life was devoted to Dellen, and when Dellen told his father that he was a failure and the reason behind the company's financial troubles, Wayne Millard broke down. Wow, he even painted his client as a piece of shit in the defense. <laughs> That's amazing. Dellen, you know, you basically said your dad's a failure, and then he went Drove and, him uh, to suicide. Ended it. Anyway, my client's not guilty. <laughs> anyway, rest my case, your honor. Not guilty. A reason of douchebaggery. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Due to Justice Maureen Forstell's caseload, a verdict wasn't heard in court until September 24th, 2018. But when that date came, Justice Forstell found Dellen guilty of the first degree murder of his father, stating Dellen carried out a planned and deliberate murder. In her 90 minute reading of her findings, she said, well, probably a lot of things because it was 90 minutes. Yeah, is, that, that, is it normally that fucking long? Yeah, that's normal. Oof. I feel like 90 minutes is actually short. 90 <laughs> minutes is fucking long. For a, for a case finding. Yeah. Uh, so sh I'll just read some of the quotes. I am satisfied that Dellen Millard killed his father by shooting him in the left eye as he slept. I can find no theory consistent with innocence. I do not believe the statement of Dylan Millard that he stayed at Mark Smitch's. I find it was fabricated to conceal he was involved in the death of his father. I find Dylan Millard purchased the revolver that killed Wayne Millard in July of 2012, and he possessed the gun in the months preceding Wayne Millard's death. So. It took her 90 minutes to say those three things. Jesus. <laughs> Just kidding. She's satisfied that it happened? <laughs> I'm satisfied that Del Millard killed his father by shooting him in the left eye as he slept. Good riddance. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The way you said it first, uh, I'm no. satisfied. So as she was um, telling him that he's guilty and listing off all of her reasons, Dylan was crying. Well, at least he had his little rat tail to dab his little rat uh, tears away. Uh, <laughs> you know it stunk. Oh, it was braided, so like all kinds of shit was getting stuck in it. Yeah, prison shit too. Ew. Yeah. Dellen's sentencing hearing happened on December eighteenth, twenty eighteen. Justice Forstell said the hope of rehabilitation for Dellen was so faint that it played little role in the determination of the sentence. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Quote. Dellen Millard has repeatedly committed the most serious offense known to our law. It is necessary to impose a further penalty in order to express society's condemnation of each of the murders that he has committed and to acknowledge the harm done to each of the victims. It is not unduly long and harsh. I would like to sentence this, the defendant by rule of pile on, your honor, in that we pile on to his case. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what happened. Ultimately, he was sentenced to life in prison for the third time, again with no parole eligibility for 25 years. This sentence was to be cons conserved. Nope. This sentence was to be served consecutively, right. along with the other life sentences handed down in the Tim Bosma and Laura Babcock murders. This means that Dylan was to serve a minimum of 75 years before he was eligible to apply for parole in 2088 you imagine he lives to that age? Uh, again, we'll talk about it next week. No. Oh, God. So, of course, Dylan appealed this conviction because he's appealed all of his convictions. Yeah. But we'll talk about that next week when we wrap everything up. Talk about the appeals and why I keep saying the parole eligibility isn't what you think it is. Oh, no. But okay. There you have it. Dylan Millard is guilty of murdering three people, Tim Bosma, Laura Babcock, and his own father. And that officially makes him a serial killer. Dylan. Dylan Millard. You son of a bitch. You stinking shit. Little rat boy. Ugh. It's so perfect that he had a rat tail. I'll show you pictures. Yeah, thank Cause, you. Because actually, I do have one, per one picture 
of him with his rat tail, but most of the other ones are court sketches, you know? And mm-hmm. man, they make sure to capture that thing. So, oh, yeah. It's a- well, there'll be pictures for everyone. Just go on our Instagram, Dark Adaptation Podcast. You'll check out Dallin's rat tail. Yeah. Comment rat boy if you like this episode. <laughs> Excuse me. His quote, customary side braid. Yeah, no. No, it's a rat no, tail. No, it's a rat it's tail. A rat and tail. also, you say it like it's not just as bad to say that. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. When I read customary. customary side braid, I laughed out loud. Why is it customary? Because. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I almost threw up in my mouth when I heard about it, too. I almost throw up in my mouth constantly when I read about Dylan Millard mm. and I have heartburn and I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. I was going to hit everyone with a sneaky little uh, smidge rap for the end of this one, but I think I'm going to spare everyone because everyone's already queasy. Everyone else <laughs> is already queasy. They have rat tails in their mind and now they're imagining it stinks. So. Yeah, it probably smells like the drain Ew! of like a public pool. Okay, that's Change so room. fucking disgusting and specific and I, I'm done now. So next week will be the final episode and like I mentioned in the beginning, we're just going to wrap everything up, tie up some loose ends, that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, make sure you come back and we'll lay this f- f- fucking thing to rest. Alright. Wow. Check out our Instagram, Dark Out Patient Podcast. That's where we'll have photos related to the case, including the... Uh, customary side braid slash rat tail okay uh thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the dark side bye